From the Hype HQ studio in Chicago, Illinois, it's Startup Hype Man, the podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Raj Nation, and I am the founder of Startup Hype Man. Fast-growing startups work with me because they want to become better storytellers. Whether that's for customers, investors, or a packed audience, they know that story is their ticket to stand out, stand apart, and change the game. And this podcast here is where I talk with entrepreneurs and leaders in the startup ecosystem, ranging from scale stage to early stage, as they share specific strategies that they have executed to stand out across three specific areas, sales, marketing, and people. Before we begin today's episode, remember you can head to StartupHypeMan.com and subscribe to the newsletter that doesn't suck. You'll get new podcast episodes and timely reads written by me, but also helpful articles from around the web and a notice of upcoming pitch competitions. All right, let's dive in and hear how today's guest is changing the game. Ladies and gentlemen, making his way to the microphone from Jackson, Michigan, and currently residing in Lehigh, Utah. He is the founder and CEO of Volley. Please welcome Josh Little. Nice. That is the best intro I've ever heard. I don't deserve it. <laughs> Well, we'll find out over the next 45 minutes if you were deserving of that intro. <laughs> okay, we'll see. He is Josh Little, founder and CEO of Volley. And Volley is the end of meetings as we know it, allowing you to move work forward with asynchronous video conversations so you can meet less and communicate more. Another way to think about Volley is essentially similar to how Starbucks is that third space between home and work. Volley is like that third space between written and verbal communication, that third space between Slack and a video platform like Zoom, which is why I'm really excited to talk to Josh today as Volley, as of this recording, is set to launch this very week. As you're hearing it though live or you're hearing it on recording, it's been launched for about a month or more. And they've got hundreds of customers on their wait list and they're well-funded before even going live. So given that, like what Volley is and where Josh has such an interest, I'm really excited to have this conversation today because we are talking about how to combat Zoom fatigue. And I think all of us in this last pandemic riddled year have experienced this in some extent or another. So Josh, how to combat Zoom fatigue why is this on your mind? Why is it important to you? Well, we are creating the vaccine for the, the, the global Zoom fatigue pandemic that has been created by the global COVID pandemic, right? Uh, uh, suddenly with, with the global pandemic, most teams start working remotely. And then every touch point, every meeting with your team has now become Zoom. It used to be that only one or two of your meetings in a week or time period were on a platform like Zoom. Now they're all on Zoom and uh, everyone's turning green and we're trying to come to the rescue. Awesome. We're gonna go into that a whole lot more and then talk about like different strategies to combat Zoom fatigue. Before we get into that, let's talk a little bit and let's learn about you, Josh, the person. As you describe yourself online, aside from being a Forex founder, you're a tinkerer, a tenor, and a brine master. Okay, I think we got to go through each one of those things. Let's start with Brian okay. Master. Like, do you pickle things in your spare time? 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, Josh'sPickles.com. Uh, it's a <laughs> hobby of mine. And my, my family didn't have money to hand down, but they did have uh, uh, pickle recipes. So I have a leather-bound recipe book. I'm a fifth-generation pickler. And uh, yeah, I make, I make pickles. I grow them here at my home and jar them up and sell out quickly every year. And it's just kind of a fun thing to do and uh, feeds my pickle obsession. I gotta say, I've had a lot of interesting personalities on this show. You are hands down, without question, the first person of their many talents or quirks to have <laughs> pickling as like an attribute to your name. So your leather bound recipe book, that's just for you know, home recipes or do you sell the recipe book out as well? I, no, I don't share the recipes, but I do sell the product that I'm yeah. creating from it. Some of the recipes I've created myself, but many of them that I, I have seven different varieties that I pickle or jar. And uh, most of them are from that book. Now, what would you say the art of pickling has taught you as a person? Balance. Uh, you know, people go crazy. I mean, I have some people buying 20, 25 jars a year and, and one family goes through them in like a month because the recipe that I have is just so balanced. Most of the pickles that you get at the store are just over acidified it's vinegar, like crazy. Like, so if you're a vinegar freak, then it, you like that, but they have to be over acidified to be shelf stable. So my recipe has a very very good balance of uh, dill, garlic, acidity, and salt. And that's what makes them very well balanced. So I, I feel like that that has taught me, and it's actually currently my main focus, is to increase health in a balanced way from a both uh, from a financial, an emotional, a spiritual, and a physical um, aspect, that all four of those quadrants need to be increasing at the same time in a balanced way. I have got to ask you more about that. Okay, so tell me about that quadrant and, and what are the ways you see balance being increased in, at least in your pursuits? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I mean, because we're talking startups here. I, this, Volley is my fourth company. Each company, from the day I started to the day I sold it or left, I was fatter, sicker, more stressed, just a worse human being by the end. Every time I just get worse in just about every way because it is such a taxing creative endeavor. So I've taken four years off since my last company to sharpen the saw, so to speak, and to really focus on health. And with Volley, I'm trying to be thinner, less stressed, more focused, more mentally uh, healthy than when I started. And so far, I've been making strides. A lot of that is due to my morning routine of exercise and meditation and scripture study and the things that are important to me that feed me that are helping me achieve those goals. I love that. I, and I was even thinking myself that if you think about it from a deeper meaning, Volley is about achieving balance, right? It is, yeah. It is like literally I, technological balance. And then, but there's also sure. this like conceptual balance as well. And then your shirt, you've got the peace sign fingers on your, on your t-shirt there. Yeah, I mean, that's our logo. Volley brings you peace. Volley brings you the peace of mind. It, it turns your synchronous meetings, your nonstop back Zooms into asynchronous video conversations, which you can do 
in a way that's not time and place bound and, ha- and free up wide swaths, swaths on your calendar to do deep work and to find peace. So, so yeah, that's kind of what we're trying to build as well. Well, and, and as your, as part of your effort for personal balance and your, your routine, I see there's a guitar behind you. Do you play professionally? Have you played professionally? Is it something you just like, like to sit on the couch and strum some chords with? What's your relationship to the guitar? Or is it just a, a piece uh, for show for a good Zoom background? <laughs> no, I am I am a guitarist. Actually, I don't put that in my LinkedIn profile. I'm a tenor. I I sing. I play the guitar as a result of singing. I went to school as a, a music education major. I wanted to be a, a music teacher and uh, spent four years pursuing that degree, only to realize I had two years still to go to to actually get the degree. (laughs) So I bailed on that plan and just tried to get out of college as soon as I could. I have, I guess I've been paid to sing, so, but it would be a real stretch to say that I'm a professional. And I do play guitar pretty well, but I would just say intermediate and a novice, depending on what circles I'm in. Maybe we'll have to collaborate on a song. I'll rap and then you'll sing the chorus of the song. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Tell me though, what took you from music education, studying music theory, I would imagine as well, playing yep. music to starting like tech companies? <laughs> like, how, tell me, talk me through that transition. Man, it's a lot of steps. And I think to give all of them, it would be boring, but I'll try to give the highlight reel of this. So one day in a practice room uh, in college, I just hit a wall. Like I realized I hate doing this as a job, singing and, and playing. This used to be this thing I loved and then I wanted to spend, do all my time. Now it's this thing I loathe. So it was that and the fact that it taken four years for me to get that far that caused me to uh, bail on that degree. And so the quickest thing I could do to get out of college was a degree in secondary education, geography major, social science minor. That was like the fastest way to get a degree and get out. And that meant I was going to be a high school teacher, which I did for a year but quickly realized this just was not my thing and bless the hearts of people who do love and are great teachers. And I feel like I was a great teacher, but the skills that I developed to become a great teacher were actually equally applicable to the field of sales. And that's what I found out really quickly is sales and education is kind of the same skill set to be great uh, aimed at two different goals. So I left teaching and went to the corporate world and kind of went um, and had a very successful career in sales. So successful that I'd usually ask to become come in house and corporate and become the sales trainer that happened at two companies. So I went to three fortune 500 company, fortune 500 companies uh, in sales and sales training and marketing roles. And it was really at the last company striker, I was trying to build an e-learning program and it was just eating my lunch uh, to, to manage the five vendors that we had to work with from content creation to videography to 3D animation and pulling all of that together. It was like this circus. And so, uh, and I thought, man, there should just be a company that does this. And I had kind of been looking for uh, endeavors that could test myself as an entrepreneur with. And as I looked around and I couldn't find the company, I decided, well, maybe I'll build that company. So I quit my nice six figure corporate job, cold Turkey and started a company maestro my first one the classic entrepreneur um sort of way of i couldn't find it out in the world so i decided to create it myself 
Now, let's transition from sort of the beginning of your startup journey now, four companies later, here you are, and we're talking today about how to combat Zoom fatigue. Uh, again, I think this is highly relevant to everyone listening to this, whether you're a salesperson, whether you're a founder, right? We're all just doing everything virtually now. And my first question on this topic is, I think for a lot of people, in the, at least in the tech world, video conferencing isn't new, right? Zoom didn't just get created in March of 2020. Right. Um, it had been around for a few years before that. And I was even doing a lot of my work on Zoom prior to the pandemic. So given that video conferencing is not new, why is it that Zoom fatigue or video fatigue is even a thing? Yeah, well, the reality is it has been a thing for remote teams for quite a while. It's just that so few teams are willing to brave the world of being 100% remote. They've just found other ways around it and ways to cope with the inefficiency of communication. Uh, Zoom fatigue is a thing because when we all started working remotely, uh, we still needed to talk to move work forward. That didn't change. And now all... and conversation is what moves work forward. Meetings are conversation, calls are conversations, training, sales, onboarding, you name it. Any, all important business communication is some form of conversation. We need to talk to move work forward. And now that we're all home, the only way to talk is platforms like Zoom. And it's not Zoom's problem. Zoom is just the most popular platform. They, they're the scapegoat of, of this problem. So suddenly we went from having in a day, let's say we had five or six meetings in a day, maybe one of those was, was on Zoom or one, there was like one person that was Zooming in from some other location to now everything is on Zoom. And that means I have to be in this chair in front of this screen, sometimes back to back to back all day. And that's just exhausting no matter what you're doing. And Zoom is just an inferior form of synchronous communication. So you're dealing with all of the inefficiencies of waiting for others to arrive, the small talk, the technical difficulties, the lack of true synchronicity. <laughs> right, that whole yeah, thing. <laughs> people on mute, you know, like you just chimed in. I couldn't hear what you said, but I was reading your lips. So I kind of know what you say. So we're learning to adapt to these things. But these things are just fatiguing. They wear us out. And it's, it's not the most efficient way to move work forward. Well, it is currently given uh, present uh, tool set, but this week we hope to change that. Yeah. Well, and I think as well, you know, I've also read some studies about how like on a video chat, it can also be very taxing because it's not obvious where you're supposed to look. Like your eyes are constantly having to figure out where should you be looking like yeah. And it's like, and for the reason that the camera is above the screen. So you're never technically looking the other person in the eyes because they're looking like, unless they're looking directly at their camera and you're looking directly at your camera, then that's when you're both looking at each other in the eyes. But if you do that, then you're not actually seeing each other because you're just seeing the right. camera. So it, there's even this like added, um, or it's almost, it's conflated even worse by the fact that it's incongruent to how we would traditionally like focus on something and concentrate on something, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I, and many people have covered this well in a lot of the content that's out there. But in addition to what you're saying, it's also exhausting to try to constantly have this gaze in your eyes. Because if we were sitting talking in your office, I wouldn't be just like staring into your eyes like I am right now. I would be <laughs> 
talking to you and looking off and thinking. And that's kind of just the natural cadence of conversation. Rarely are you ever in this fixed gaze with someone. And it's, it's really exhausting. And just the little things that we don't even mention or appreciate, like the first thing, being a singer, I have lots of friends who direct choirs at different colleges and high schools and whatnot. The first thing everybody wanted to do when the pandemic started is have a virtual choir. And so they all invited everyone to Zoom and started to sing. And they realized, holy crap, I can't hear anyone else. And I'm two seconds off from that person. And this just doesn't even work. Okay, well, let's do a small group. Okay, let's do a duet. A duet doesn't even work. You can't even have two people in true synchronicity on a platform like this. When you're in a conversation that's turn-based, you can kind of account for that. But we're all sort of used to this 200 millisecond gap between turns in a conversation. That's the socially acceptable amount of time they should wait before you interject with your turn. But in a platform like Zoom, it's like one, two seconds and just 600 milliseconds equals to the brain an awkwardly long pause. So it's fatiguing for all of those other reasons that it's just not natural. It's not, it's a poor simulation of synchronicity that we're actually trying to achieve. That point about if you're in person, you can kind of like look off to the side and talk. That is really interesting. And I hadn't considered that before about how when you're in a video chat like this, and granted a podcast interview is a little bit different, but yeah. any, any like business meeting, for example, uh, it almost looks weird if you just, you know, like rotate your chair and then like look off to the right. You almost <laughs> think like that person doesn't care to like listen to what you're saying, right? Right. Uh, and then it's also distracting if you're like swaying in your chair a lot, which, it, you know, I guess sure. that would be distracting in person too, but you probably wouldn't do that as much in person. Um, ah, I don't know. Some people may. Uh, and I, yeah. But I also think too, the fact, uh, I think this digital version of communicating with each other through Zoom, through Google Hangouts, through Teams, whatever it might be, the ability to have natural flowing conversation is harder in the sense that if you're in person, it's a little bit easier to take your time to think about something and to be like, give me a second. Let me think about that. Whereas on zoom or on your video platform, I think the, to be to your point, the awkwardness is felt way more because it's not so obvious or there's not as many like, observational sidebars you can go on because you're both in the same environment. And even that little like, did you hear that? Like that doesn't happen if you're not in the same room to create these almost like natural breaks in intense focus and be the dialogue that we're used to. And I, and I say that without any, without any scientific research. I'm just thinking about my observations based off kind of what you were saying got me thinking. Oh, yeah, I can cite some of the research on this. This is called the many minds problem. And we as human beings are, even the least of us, are elite athletes at communication. Just what we can do, what we can perceive with our eyes and ears and the messages that we're able to um, receive is just unbelievable. And I've totally nerded out on this since building Volley. But the many minds problem states that as a conversation goes from two to four to six to eight people, the dynamics change drastically. And also the risk for participation goes up and the airtime is shared, you think equitably goes down. And suddenly it goes from a conversation of one or two, or sorry, two or three people where the airtime is shared equitably to something that when a group of just six or eight people uh, is more like an audience listening to a conversation happen between two and three people. 
because, uh, man, I, I've got to memorize these stats. I'll, I'll butcher it. But, uh, oh, yeah. In a conversation between four people, three people do 70% of the talking. In a conversation with six people, three people do 60% of the talking. In a conversation with eight people, the same three people do the same 60% of the talking. So, and we've all been on the outside of a conversation. We've all been at a dinner party where it's just kind of like, you're just listening to these two people talk about whatever they're talking about when you're laughing and chiming in every once in a while. That's the group dynamic. Zoom makes it way harder to do that because now you're trying to read a room in these little thumbnails that are stuck at the top of your screen and you just can't get the same pipeline of communication. You can't get the same signals to know when to chime in or how somebody really feels like that. Now, I wouldn't want to do this without video for sure because video is delivering that relational component. It's not just what you say, it's how you say it that really matters when, when we're talking about building culture, building team, building relationships. And that's, that's the number one thing that went out the door. And that's actually the number one and two problem that in Buffer's state of remote work study that they just released. Um, and I'll, I'll make this point and stop talking. <laughs> they cited the top two problems are for remote work are lack of collaboration and lack of loneliness. And no doubt, because we just don't have those ad hoc, easy, low friction touch points that we once had when we were in an office or in a room where someone could see that we were just talking about that idea together and then we're jumping back in with the team. Those things you can sense live, really hard to sense virtually. Can you say more on that concept of lack of loneliness? I'm not sure I follow that. Oh, did I say lack of loneliness? I, I, sorry, I misspoke. It's loneliness. That's oh, oh the problem. okay. Got it. Okay. Okay. That makes more sense. <laughs> lack of collaboration and, I said and loneliness. loneliness and loneliness. Yes. Okay. Uh, all of those things that equaled team equaled culture are kind of gone. All that water cooler lunchroom, see you outside in the parking lot, sort of in the hallway Random stuff interaction in the hallway. Yeah. It's, it's not there. And so that, and that's what we're trying to bring back with volleys is, is a low friction, the richness of talk with the flexibility of text way to communicate. So when we think about ways to combat this, right? So this notion of zoom fatigue, I kind of look at it as like, there's maybe you see it as more, I see it as there's, there's two types of strategies here. There's the strategies that involve stepping away from your desk and the strategies that involve still being at your desk. So let's start with the first one. What can we do that involves actually like closing the laptop, turning off the camera and pushing our chair back and getting up? Like what, what, what can we do there to help combat Zoom fatigue? It's a good question. And there have been a lot of people that have written a lot of great content about this and bless their hearts for doing it because they have the best of intentions. But the problem with any solution of getting away from your desk equals in some way talking less. And so if you can talk less and still move work forward, okay. But the problem is, I mean, your average knowledge worker spends 21 hours a week in meetings. Your average executive spends 28 hours a week in meetings. Meetings uh, or conversation is where leaders lead. Leaders aren't leading when they're in their office scribbling on their whiteboard. They're leading when they bring someone else in and they have a conversation about it or when they have a meeting about that or when they address the whole team, right? So if you can talk less, then sure, you can shut the laptop and go for a walk and leave work behind and do something on your phone. But the goal is to talk different, I think. And that's why we're creating Volley uh, so that you can have a way to 
step away from your desk, but still talk and be able to move work forward. I can go on a 30 minute walk and have 20 conversations going simultaneously with 20 different people, vendors outside of my company, people within my company, and uh, be moving work forward and not be at my desk, be getting exercise, be getting fresh air outside and be constructively moving work forward while I'm listening to everyone else on 2X, which I can't do in a Zoom call or any synchronous format as well. All right. So in that, in that idea though, of like taking the walk, do you feel though that at least maybe from like a concentration perspective, it is good to just shut down the screen for a little bit and I don't know, maybe even like look at the ceiling just so you're not having to like stay focused on something that involves being like so engaged. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's good for any creative endeavor is changing state in some sort of way, whether that's standing up. This is why a lot of strokes of genius or ideas come when you're in the shower or going to the bathroom because you just broke your state and you created a new state for yourself. So anytime you could even, even if you have to be on a call and you go sit in the stairwell or on a park bench or just get yourself into a different place, it can, it can increase health. One of the things that I've uh, had, you know, other people do on calls with me sometimes and every now and then I'll do it in return as well, is if it's a call where you both know that you don't need to see each other, making that call just an audio call. Uh, And oftentimes the other person or me will just actually be on a walk during that call to get some fresh air, to reset, to change states, as you said. Now, I get that there's still like the, you know, it's still a synchronous communication. So there's still some type of like lag and how you're speaking to each other. But do you feel like there is room for having calls that don't like, if it doesn't require video, maybe turn off the video and have that call? For sure. You should always choose the right channel for your message. If your message is lunch is here, that doesn't need to be, we don't need to set up a Zoom to tell everyone lunch is here and they don't need to see how you're saying lunch is here to get what you're saying really, right? So quick updates, information transfer sort of thing, that can actually be text. But text is only 7% of the full communication picture according to social scientists. 38% is how you say it, your tone of voice. And then 55% is what you look like when you say it. So if you do turn off your video, just know that you're turning off 55% of the fidelity of that conversation, that there's 70 different things that your face could be saying and and 20 kind of secondary cues that, so your face can be saying up to 90 things. And we're like, like I said, we're elite athletes, we're masters at like reading someone's face and how they're sitting in their chair, whether they're leaning forward or not, what's the tone of the voice? Our brain, we're not consciously like grading these things and checking them off, but subconsciously we are, and that message is getting delivered. So you can turn video off if the message doesn't need that. If the relationship is high, if this is not an emotionally charged discussion in any way, then then the stakes are lower to, to turning video off. If you're really just talking semantics, sure, you can talk on the phone. And we've been doing that for a hundred years on, on phones. So, you know, we're pretty good at that. And that app and phones on your are phone app. called phone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that one. <laughs> the least used app on the entire phone is phone. Right. What's your stance on when video is turned on? I'm actually very, I, I, I think you are as well. I'm very intentional about what my background is. 
right? Like, which is also why I've been choosing to not work from home and come to my office instead, uh, you know, where it's safe here because I have my own office. Um, but, you know, you can see my background here. For those who are just listening to the audio, you know, I've got this bookshelf behind me. I've got an on-air sign, a wrestling heavyweight championship belt, a Hamilton book, a microphone, a WrestleMania, collector's cup, some other books. And then I've got uh, a yoga poster behind my head, like, and, and some f- sound foam panels. And, I, and it's not by accident that I chose to make that my background. In fact, right. I even intentionally, to my left is the window. And I could have rotated my entire desk to face the window so I'd have the light beaming on me in the best way. Uh, but then I thought, well, then behind me is the door and it's glass and I can't put this bookshelf against that then. So I said, well, you know what? I'll face this way so I can get this background because I actually want my background to be a reflection of my personality as best as mm-hmm. possible. And I want it to help spark conversation in certain cases. Uh, it's an effort to help create or bring back some of that like environmental discussion we talked about before. Yeah. And in your case, right? Like you've got books, you've got plants, you've got a guitar, you have your whiteboard. And, and, and I look at your side of the video conversation and I get a very like um, calming sort of vibe from you. And I think also just from like your own like demeanor as well, I get that. But even though I see like whiteboard off, the, off your uh, right shoulder, mm-hmm. off your left shoulder, I see the guitar and the books and the plants and it's all very like neatly put together. And so I yeah. have this very like calm but smart kind of vibe. So do you think it's important? You're right. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. Am I, am I crazy for like the intentional video design? Are you crazy for the intentional video background design? Or should people kind of place emphasis on that when possible? No. And yeah, if you turn the camera, you're going to see a construction zone and laundry and all this crazy stuff, right? <laughs> but right behind me, it's like clean and tidy. Not really. But uh, but yeah, the the background or your environment is the new clothes in this virtual world, right? It's what you're dressing yourself with. And for that reason, you know, Zoom has the ability to mask background or put some other background in there, which I personally don't like because I feel like, what are you trying to hide? It's not real. It's not genuine or authentic. And that's what I think is important about video communication is it shows your context. It shows your team that you're where you're at, what you're like. And it adds back exactly what you're saying. Just like, oh, I saw that you were recording that in front of your guitar, Josh. And do you play guitar? I didn't know that you played guitar, right? And those are these ad hoc little interactions that equaled team that equaled connectedness and and combated the loneliness that's happening. And I feel like when we put this wall up or this mask up or turn our video off, we're only encouraging more loneliness and and lack of connectedness, which we desperately need right now. Now, how do we compare that to like, because I mean, there are, I'll tell you like when I'm at home, it's more challenging because it's a one bedroom condo. In order for me to have a background that isn't the bathroom. I need to sit on the side of the kitchen counter where there's a wall. So there's no knee space. So I'm sitting like spread Eagle all day. And then I have like, you know, like a bookshelf in the front door behind me with a nice carpet on the ground behind me. Uh, And and even that I know like some people, I, I would say even that is almost a little bit of a luxury. And there are some people who are just like the only space they have is their bed is behind them. Right. So what can, in those situations, what can we do? Well, in those situations, you have a choice. Are you going to 
let it all hang out, be who you are, own your environment, so to speak, or are you going to mask it? And, you know, there's pros and cons to each. I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong at all. I have actually loved, we're working with a team in Michigan and seeing they are in their bedroom. I see their bed. Uh, I see their shoes hanging on the wall there. Uh, I see, oh, you know, she likes red shoes. Uh, So it says, it does communicate something. And Personally, I like it because it's more authentic, it's more real, it's more raw. And I fear, because we're hearing this from users, there's one of our beta users who lives in a studio apartment in New York, and he's like, dude, I need my background blurred because this is not a nice place to be showing, you know, I'm, I'm embarrassed about it. And so I get that, I get that problem, but I do fear putting up a facade or masking things you know, or well, why wouldn't we just mask our clothes and, and ourselves? And why wouldn't I, you know, mask my beard or my hair? Why don't you just, let's just show a video of my eyes or my mouth, right? And <laughs> it's all kind of an extension on that same linear progression that I think takes away the authenticity that creates the, the connection that we need. Well, one thing I would say is there are some circumstances where I believe, hey, maybe it makes sense to have your virtual background up. Like, Know, your kid is like going crazy behind you and like that's just distracting yeah. like that's that's more distracting right i think there is probably some room for that i also think that and i was even saying this pre-pandemic with my clients when i was coaching their sales teams who were selling remotely already when you work from home dress like you're going to work not like you're working from home so like just because you're not shown from the waist down Maybe don't not wear pants. Maybe don't wear pajama pants, right? Dress like, because you will then, like it'll reflect better in your energy. Uh, You will sit up a little bit more straight if you're not wearing like your, you know, like basketball shorts or something like that. I don't know, maybe I'm saying that and Josh, you are wearing basketball shorts right now because I can't see your bottoms. But but I think that's it. I think that's important as well is dress like you're going to work, not working from home. Yeah, it creates that mental reinforcement. In fact, I knew someone who was a a freelance designer and he would actually dress in business casual, go get in his car, drive for at least 10 minutes, come home so that he could feel like he had just changed state. He's in a different place. And I think that's why if if you need to do those things, they're certainly going to reinforce the clarity and alignment that you need to, to execute throughout your day. Well, and that I think is a good transition into my next question, which is, you know, we talked about strategies for when you are cha- or when you can get up and, and leave your desk. And, and I actually do think it is very good to, even though you may be working from home, leave the house in the morning, walk the block, drive the block, and then come back. So it's like you've entered work. But then let's talk about the strategies where you are in back-to-back meetings all day. Yeah. And you know you hardly have time to go to the bathroom. What can we do? You know, using our existing knowledge of the platforms, using uh, whatever. What can we do? Does, is it more of that? Like, take a couple meetings off with your with you know with just audio, no video. What do you see? You certainly could, and those are the popular answers to that question of stand up. Uh, SAP actually just implemented. 25 minute and 50 minute meetings. There's no longer 30 and 60 minute meetings. So they're not back to back, but come on, what are we doing? And if we can just magically shrink the time of a meeting, what's that saying about 
the efficiency of that meeting. If, if you can suddenly get things done in 25 minutes that you were getting done in 30 minutes, why not 15? Why not five minutes, sure. right? Let's, all meetings are five-minute meetings. All of those, I think, are Band-Aids. They're just attacking symptoms, not the root cure. And of course, uh, I would think this, but I think the real answer here is to replace your back-to-back meetings with asynchronous video conversations. That's the real answer, to, to not even have the meetings in the first place. Because it turns out there are some things that you do need to meet synchronously over. We as a team have one meeting a week. Uh, it's our backlog prioritization. It's just really difficult to do that asynchronously because there's so much like real-time feedback and exchange of information. So we have to do it live. Uh, but the rest... For everything else, we're able to do it asynchronously as just as effectively, if not more, in a much condensed amount of time because we don't have all of that other synchronous cruft of the meandering of the conversation or the people that that don't need to be there or the people that talk too much or yeah. you know, all of these problems with synchronous discussion. So of course the founder of Ali is going to say that, right? Like uh, replace your back-to-back meetings with asynchronous video conversation. But I say it because I really believe it. Yeah. Well, and I think too, even if, even just that idea, that concept, right? It's like, can you send someone a voice note, right? Can you yeah. just uh, record a quick thing in Slack and send them over? Not that that's going to be the most efficient, but like that's the idea you're getting at here is ask yourself kind of at the start, does this genuinely require a meeting or not? Yep. Yep. And if the answer is not, there are these other avenues you can pursue. There are others. Yeah. But the, the problem is if you probably escalated to a meeting because Slack or written communication is our, is kind of our default. That's what we go to first. But when, when that is inadequate, when, when I just don't want to write a book or <laughs> I really got to kind of express my thought, you know, uh, I just need to talk and we just need to talk to move work forward. So you probably already tried it, but there are tools like Loom and Vidyard that you can use to send an, an asynchronous one-way video message or you're, you're right, audio messages. LinkedIn now allows you to do audio messages. So there are some in the middle sort of solutions there. Yeah. Well, I want to, I, I think this, um, this topic is actually really timely for me and I'll tell you why. So we're recording this in you know, early December, and I'm not joking, two nights ago, I had like the extent of breakdown that Raj Nation is capable of having, <laughs> which is not that extreme of a breakdown, because uh, <laughs> I'm just generally like a pretty even-tempered guy. But basically, I just like, my fiance and I were sitting on the couch, and she was like, okay, well, what do you want to watch? And I was like, I don't want to watch anything. And she was like, well, what's going on? And I just, I was just like, I don't know. I just have all this anxiety and I don't even know the right word for it, but I just feel like I'm like trapped in that I spend my entire day on a screen to then go home and work out by looking at a screen because I can't do it in person anymore to then unwind at the end of the night by looking at the bigger screen. It's like I spent all day on a medium screen to then work out on a little screen and then stare at the biggest screen to watch Netflix on, all the while in between checking the small screen in my pocket and I'm just getting overwhelmed with the screens and I, my eyeballs are burning and I need a break and I don't know what to do about it. And I, just, I was just like, I just feel trapped. And so that's why this conversation is really timely. So you know, can you be my therapist for a second on this one? Ooh, 
It's funny you mentioned therapists because that's what I was thinking um, <laughs> when you when you started into the question. And let me just disclose that I am probably the biggest hypocrite here. I'll get after my kids if they've been, you know, on the computer for an hour or something and they're like, get off the screen. What are you doing? You're crazy, you know? And then dad's sitting there on the screen all day, all night. <laughs> so I'm a huge hypocrite here, but I'll tell you, to be very vulnerable here, I had a breakdown while building my last company. I had like a mental breakdown. I was down the depression funnel pretty deep. And uh, I started working with two different therapists and some of the best advice that I got from one of the therapists that time, it was a prescription to exercise outside every day for an hour with no audiobooks, no music, just quiet. And that started me back up this cycle. In fact, the beginning of my Instagram is the pictures of me every day doing this thing. And it started me back building myself back up and getting to this place of peace that maybe you're sensing now that you've, you've mentioned. And I, I appreciate you pointing that out. But we just have to fight for this and we have to be cognizant of it. And so it's, it's great that you bring it up. I've also, I have kind of a Netflix evening routine and uh, I've tried trading that out for books again. And just last night, I, I was able to pound through one book and then catch up on two other books that I was hoping to do some research in. I just thought, and this was just last night. And I thought, man, yeah. I feel amazing. Uh, so it's just anything you can to change state um, is, is going to, to be mentally healthy for you. Maybe I need to get back to making music and not, uh, not table yeah. that. That's why the guitar is actually sitting here. It, it was sitting over there and it does look pretty good sitting right behind me. <laughs> but I do a few times a day, pick up the guitar and it, all it takes yeah. is like two minutes to kind of get me in a different place to like get back on task and focus. Let's begin our wrap up and, and, th and thank you for sharing that, um, that story about yourself. And I think that is a really interesting uh, prescription to I think a lot of us can get outside and exercise but I think we default to what playlist am I going to listen to or what podcast am I going to listen yeah. to which I don't think is as much of the turning off as perhaps we might need sometimes yeah it wasn't for me it may be for others now where can our listeners find you and learn more and also um, sign up for volley so go to volleyapp.com and um Today, you can jump on our wait list, probably tomorrow close, or when this podcast is airing, you'll be able to download Volley, uh, both mobile, desktop, Mac, and PC. Right. Um, tell me, Josh, who's one person that you want to shout out? Could be a teammate, mentor, investor, friend. You know, you mentioned this question to me, and I woke up this morning thinking about my mom, and I want to, oh my gosh, I'm going to, Sorry. Just choking up here. Um, she was an entrepreneur and I never knew it. She, um, she cleaned houses and painted walls and put up wallpaper to help support a family. And uh, she would take us boys along with her and teach us how to do what she knew how to do, her craft. And growing up and even into adulthood, I didn't recognize her as an entrepreneur. And she actually uh, supported me in my first entrepreneurial endeavors, which was 
lawn mowing. Um, when I was 11, she encouraged me to, to go buy a mower and, and start mowing lawns. And uh, then she would help me get jobs and she would drive me to those jobs. So, gosh, I didn't think I'd have a blubbering shout out, but man, my, my shout out is to my mom because she really helped forge a lot of those values and ideas about making a living for yourself that um, I, I sort of forgot when I became a teenager and didn't recognize until I was in my mid-20s. So, mom, I love you. Well, and that's probably the most beautiful shout out we've ever had on this show. Definitely is not probably, it definitely is. And it sounds like without even realizing it, you gleaned a lot of lessons from her and really took after her. For sure. And I think I'm still learning to appreciate that. Like I'm still sunrising into the impact of those examples in my early life. Let's go for our top one or two lessons or takeaways now uh, based uh, for the listeners based on our discussion. So our discussion, our topic was how to combat Zoom fatigue. I'll go first and I'll toss it to you. On my end, you know, I, I think we covered a lot of really good stuff here. And, and I think to me, like one of the prevailing things that sticks out is kind of, I, th I think the way you phrased it is like, does it require a meeting? Yes or no. And there's probably less things that truly require a meeting than we think do. So assess, are you, you know, are you having more, you know, one, even one more meeting than you should be having to, to fight back? Josh, top one or two lessons or takeaways. Well, I would just add to that, that I, I feel that we're in a runaway train meeting pandemic. Meetings have increased, time spent in meetings has increased 10% a year for the last 20 years, 13% this year alone since social distancing began. So I think the first takeaway is to just recognize what's going on and that, and, and that we're becoming addicted to meetings because that's the only way we're able to move forward now. And then secondly, to replace those back-to-back -back meetings with asynchronous video conversations. My final question, which is how we end every episode on the show, fill in the blank, Josh. Entrepreneurship is blank. Entrepreneurship is the most challenging creative endeavor, and it's why I keep returning. My personal mission is to make beautiful things in life. That's what I, I see myself doing from, for now and for the rest of my life, making beautiful things. And that can be a, a musical performance or a jar of pickles or a piece of software or a cabinet or off-road vehicle suspension. Um, they're all objectively beautiful and the way that I do them, you know, people can admire and say, well done, you know, and that's what I'm looking for. But none of that is even close to as challenging as, as entrepreneurship is. There's so much you need to know and learn right now. That's why I read three books last night is I just need to, I need to, I need to sharpen up in this way, in this way. And there's no other gym that can cause me to work out as hard as choosing the path of entrepreneurship. So yeah, entrepreneurship is the most challenging creative endeavor. Well, I imagine I might be a soon customer, maybe for to get some Christmas pickles uh, over at Josh's Pickles. I'm definitely excited to check out Volley. He is Josh Little, founder and CEO of Volley. Josh, thank you for joining today on Startup Hype Man, the podcast. Batman, thanks so much for having me. It was a blast. 
That wraps up today's conversation. Did you like what you heard? Startup Hype Man, the podcast is available on every major platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and more. So be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and leave a rating and review. Do you want to be an upcoming guest on the show? Email media at startuphypeman.com with your idea and my team will review. Our theme song is Change the Game by Jay-Z, all rights owned by Rockefeller and Def Jam Records. And hey, if you want to work together on making your startup story the only one that matters, email me at rajiv at startuphypeman.com. That's R-A-J-I-V at startuphypeman.com. Well, that'll do it for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you to today's guests for joining. You have been checking out Startup Hype Man, the podcast. I'll catch you next week. But in the meantime, word up, raise up.